From KYW News Radio, the Delaware Valley's news authority, this is Flashpoint. What's igniting debate online and in your community? I'm KYW Community Affairs reporter Cherry Gregg, and we'll run through the big issues of the week that are getting folks hot under the collar. Coming up, sex abuse exposed in Hollywood on Wall Street, even on Capitol Hill. The chief of staff held my face, kissed me, and stuck his tongue in my mouth. How revelations of a pervasive harassment culture is ending silent suffering. How do you get women not to get raped? Don't rape people. The backlash and move forward to change rape culture in America bringing unity among the immigrant community. I think we forget if you're multi-generational American that you came from somewhere else too. The brainchild of Philadelphia Mayor Jim Kenney turns two and is growing strong. A look back and ahead at the International Unity Cup. Welcome back to Flashpoint. I'm your host, Cherry Gregg. The focus is scathing revelations of sexual harassment from Hollywood to Wall Street to the White House. It began when dozens of women came forward accusing movie mogul and Democratic funder Harvey Weinstein of sexual assault, harassment, and lewd behavior. High-profile actresses like Gwyneth Paltrow shared their stories alongside lesser-knowns like former production assistant Mimi Halehi, who claimed Weinstein held her down and forcibly performed oral sex. I remember Harvey afterwards rolling over onto his back saying... Don't you feel we're so much closer to each other now? Several CEOs of major companies have resigned amid sex scandals. California Congresswoman Jackie Spears shared her story of assault while working as a congressional staffer on the Hill. Chief of staff held my face, kissed me, and stuck his tongue in my mouth. Three women even accused former President George H.W. Bush of inappropriate touching, claiming his nickname was David Copperfield. So many stories, so many apologies and denials. So what's the resultant backlash? Will these revelations change things? And what's the politics behind it all? With me in the studio to discuss this flashpoint is Dr. Monique Howard, Executive Director of Women Organized Against Rape, Attorney Ryan Allen Hancock, who has litigated sexual harassment cases and spent more than a decade as Assistant Chief Counsel for the Pennsylvania Commission on Human Relations, and finally, Dr. Heather Lamar, an Associate Professor at Temple University who focuses on the intersection of political communication and public opinion. Welcome to the KYW Studios and to Flashpoint. Thank, Thank you. you for having Thank you very much. Let's jump right in. Monique, how are folks within groups like yours who deal with victims of sex assault reacting to the revelation of sexual abuse by folks like Harvey Weinstein at all? It's not new information for the people that I provide services for or services to, nor the people that I work with. Sexual harassment has been going on for years. Thankfully, um, this is coming out and people are talking about it more but he's not the only one. And this is taking place high up in Hollywood. It's taking place in Wall Street. Uh, it's taking place in government. Ryan, I mean, there are actual consequences to some of this stuff. When you look at all the different allegations are com- that are coming out, are there potential causes of action here? Of course, it depends on various different federal and state laws that come into play, right? If somebody is an employee, for example, Title VII or here in Pennsylvania called the Pennsylvania Human Relations Act could prevail or, or is, is the statutes that you would want to look at for sexual harassment. 
But there's also common law claims such as assault, battery, intentional infliction of emotional distress. So there is a penalty of a lot of different federal and state laws that you can hold those who engage in sexual harassment, sexual assault accountable. This is coming up more and more. That Me Too hashtag Mm -hmm. went viral, even though that hashtag was used 10 years ago and started 10 years ago here in Philadelphia when Alyssa Milano tweeted out there that she too had been a victim. It went viral and more and more people are speaking up, including a congresswoman. Well, we're seeing more and more in the last four to eight years that social movements are starting online or they might you know, swell into larger public movements through this kind of a viral activism that occurs in the digital space. And part of it is just that it allows anonymity for some people so they free, feel more free to speak their mind. But another part of it is, honestly, people have learned that you can organize and you can rally support through social media and through digitization. More women are coming out mm-hmm. because they're they're feeling more empowered by Absolutely. folks like Alyssa Milano, folks yes. like Gwyneth Paltrow, folks like Congresswomen coming forward. Is yes. that right? Yes, it's absolutely right. But what is happening is there seems to be two sets of people. There's one set that feels empowered enough to join onto hashtag MeToo campaigns. There's another set of women that are feeling extremely uncomfortable, and these are some of the women that are calling my hotline, feeling like they should be outed or feeling like they should out themselves when they're not ready, or their social media page is being bombarded with other people's story when they haven't even dealt with their own yet. And so we have seen an uptick in phone calls, but some of that has been women being triggered because of the attention. Is this like a trauma trigger in yes, a way? Is, is that yes, what it, it is? is. Yes, it is. What is sexual harassment? When does it become like a, a thing where you should report it? This is usually about the power of a man over a woman, but not always, right? The law recognizes same-sex harassment, but, but it's really about power in situations. And, you know, when you're looking at an employment situation, you know, the standard is severe, pervasive, and or regular, right? But that's a lawyer talking. And, you know, what does that mean actually is really fact-dependent upon the situation of what women or men in the workplace feel. And there's different types of sexual harassment as well. There's quid pro quo. There's, you know, direct touching. Or there's just a hostile work environment in which an individual is making that work workspace uh, intolerable, right, that changes the conditions of employment. And that's usually based upon sex, right? But not always. Harassment can also be based on race or any other protected class. Mm. So it just depends on sort of the situations and where you're going. I mean, generally, and, and it's also really important to note that especially in the employment context, it's really hard to, to actually come out to an individual, whether it be an HR or, or to somebody above your boss who's harassing you, right? Because women on a daily basis are retaliated against. They lose their jobs. They are demoted uh, because they have complained of this sexual harassment. So it's a little bit even more nuanced, right? Because that's just the realities of what happens in the workplace. And that's even with the situation with Harvey Weinstein. I mean, you have young actresses Mm -hmm. trying to get their foot in the door in Hollywood. They don't want to speak out against this powerful guy. When you have these situations, there's backlash. I mean, they Harvey Weinstein had to leave his company that he created. Don't forget sometimes about the backlash against the women who speak out. That's true. So there are a lot of politics behind this. And it does sort of it is a very difficult sort of waters to tread if you're looking at the political space, because on the one hand, public dialogue is good in the public sphere. It's good for democracy. It's good for moving public policy forward. 
But on the other hand, anyone who puts themselves out there, whether they're on offense or defense, ends up paying some kind of political price. I don't necessarily think that's all bad. It's moving the conversation forward. I think you're going to see this continued cycle. That just sort of pushes the envelope a little bit forward on this discussion. Are there some women that are more vulnerable than others? But given the high profile nature of some of the victims that we've seen, that is a fallacy, it seems like. And what Ryan said is absolutely true. It's about power and how and how that is manipulated to take advantage of someone else. And so it, there's not the picture of the woman that should be raped or is raped or gets raped. Uh, I just did a, had a conversation with someone and they said to me, well, can you tell me what's the list of prevention? Or how do you get women not to get raped? And I said, well, here you go. Don't rape people. That's the only thing I can actually put on the on the list that's going to be right because everything else is victim blaming. If you do or don't do something that I put on the list or say or don't say something, then you're going to blame yourself. Yeah. And it's not the victim's fault. It is about the misuse of power and control. It's consensual or not. And if it's the or not, then it's rape and sexual assault. Why don't people come out and at least stop it when they see it? Well, who would do the stopping? Mm -hmm. The victim or the perpetrator? Or people witness, even people who witness it and they've seen it and they heard about it. But if it's about power, then everybody is kind of afraid of what the backlash is going to be. And it's not surprising, right? Because, you know, in the employment context, at least, usually those harassers, it's not the first time they've done it. Sometimes it is. That's very, very rare. Usually if a woman comes in to me and says, my boss is harassing me or my coworker is sexually harassing me or treating me differently because I'm a woman, she can normally point to multiple other instances that she knows about with regard to this alleged harasser. So I would push back a little bit on on there may be some political blowback. But when we're looking in the employment context, really it's just about money. And that's what employers really settle for, right? They settle, they exchange money to get the woman to be quiet, right? That's really what this is about. It's not about justice. It's not about even a shifting of power. We know a lot from the activism and advocacy research and social movement areas that we know only one in 10 people are even willing to speak out on any issue. And so that's just human nature. So you already are looking at, you know, 10% of the population that would be willing to, to act We also know from the social psychology literature that the larger the group, the less personal responsibility any one person feels. So when you're talking about sort of Wall Street as an entity or Hollywood as an entire sort of subculture in America, these are very large, expansive organizations. And so so when you couple these two things together, people become more self-preserving and self-interested. Can anything be done to change this? power this power dynamic just the idea that people just don't speak up and they preserve the culture um, is there anything can be that can be done to sort of change and move this conversation forward so that 10 years from now we're not back at another big time revelation of, of massive numbers of women being harassed we know that we're kind of getting close to the tipping point right so I sort of said all these negative things so let me say something positive I guess We also know from research that as soon as one person does break the spiral of silence and they do speak out, then that number from uh, that ratio of 1 to 10 becomes more like 4 in 10. And then it can become 6 in 10 because breaking the spiral of silence is what empowers people to join the movement. And then that movement hits a tipping point. 
And once it does sort of hit the tipping point, then it will become part of the political discourse for the next, you know, decade. And that will govern a lot of policymaking. Mainstreams the conversation so that it's out of the dark. People will join the movement. And that's exactly what's necessary. So although there were people that are triggered and not feeling good about how they're feeling, uh, there are so many more people that are that will come out of this experience being able to use their voice, not just for themselves, but for other people. And I think also the thing that by more and more people speaking out, it removes the stigma. Sure. Because once you see like that people like somebody like a Gwyneth Paltrow, somebody like Alyssa mm-hmm. Milano has had this same sure. thing happen to her, then you feel less shame, mm-hmm. right? Sure. Just stepping back to your point, I think mm-hmm. it's also really important what something we can do, which is men need to educate themselves. And that's why I think this Me Too hashtag was actually really powerful because it just left no doubt to all of the men in the room and online that it happened to everyone they know, right? Wow. Every, almost every woman mm-hmm. came forward your, your teacher, your, you know, your spouse, your mother, you know, your father, whoever came out. And that's pretty powerful. So as long as we can continue that dialogue and understand that, it's a, that it is about power and seeing it like that, then we can change individually and then we change our culture. So as we wrap this up, I mean, I do think that we're talking about more things now than I think we ever have in, in large part thanks to social media. The digital age is just putting it into light speed. So what would have taken five years in the late 60s, early 70s to gain momentum can gain momentum in five months or sometimes five days. If there was a time, it's probably now because we are in an era of social protest. I agree. Last word to you, Monique. I know it's crazy, but are you happy that this is happening? I'm happy that it's happening because it's drawing attention to the secret um, and the secret of rape and the secret of sexual assault. So I'm happy that it's occurring saddened by what has occurred, of course, but hoping that the momentum continues and that the conversations continue and that we can work on or decrease the rape culture and um, bring justice to the many women that this has happened to. Thank you to Dr. Monique Howard, to uh, Dr. Heather Lamar, and to attorney Ryan Allen Hancock for talking about this Flashpoint in the news. Thank Thank you for having us. This is Flashpoint, where we talk about the issues that get everyone hot and bothered. I'm your host, Cherry Gregg, and one issue that's a hot-button topic is immigration. Philadelphia is home to scores of distinct immigrant communities, and for the second year in a row, the city organized the Philadelphia International Unity Cup, a soccer tournament designed to build bridges throughout the city by allowing countries to compete for bragging rights. The championship game will be Team Liberia versus Team Sierra Leone on November 11th at the link. All of this is the brainchild of Mayor Jim Kenney. Mayor, thanks for being on Flashpoint. It's my pleasure. Nice to see you. To our listeners who have been out of the loop, explain what the Unity Cup is. Well, we were trying to find a way in which we could bring all of our immigrant groups together um, around one issue. 
and soccer being the, the, the beautiful sport and the international sport that it is. Um, you know, other American sports don't always translate into every community like baseball, football, ice hockey, basketball. But soccer translates into every community. And we wanted to set up originally last year what's like a World Cup setup where you had 32 teams like the World Cup. Uh, and then you had uh, your pool play, knockout rounds, and then quarter semis and finals. And that went really well uh, last year. We wound up playing at Citizens Bank Park. Yeah. Uh, and we played around the city at very, various super sites and university fields. Um, and um, and it was uh, Ivory Coast and Liberia. Uh, Liberia's gotten to the the semifinals again. Mm-hmm. Ivory Coast got knocked out. Last year we had about six to seven thousand people, but it was a septa strike and it was raining, so that was they were two factors against us. So we're hoping we have a nice crisp fall day, and we want to get as many people in the place as possible. Parking's free. You can also take septa Broad Street line to the ATT station and, yeah. and walk over. And uh, the, the thing that I'm happy about is it's brought our immigrant communities together. So they they're now talking to each other and doing other events together mm-hmm. in addition to the in addition to the, the soccer. Were you surprised at all that so many more additional teams signed up this year? Yeah, we're up to 48, um, and we actually even have a refugee team for people who have been mm-hmm. refugees from yeah. other nations, and, and they banded together and entered a team. So uh, we just think it's it's really kind of simple, the concept. I mean, it's it's around sport, and it's around a sport that everybody can, can understand and, 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 and enjoy. And um, I'm just very proud that we're able to do it. I thank the Recreation Department for all their hard work uh, in, in getting it organized and all of our Goya, who's uh, our, main, yeah. our main sponsor. And uh, it's, just been ter- it's just been a terrific experience. And I hope uh, after I'm gone that uh, they'll, this continues. So why did you think the city needed something like this? For lots of reasons, especially now with, with this president and this, this attorney general. Uh, people feel that they're disconnected from their city, disconnected from their country, uh, and uh, we want to recognize them as uh, important uh, important people in our city because our, our, we we're 50,000 people or so up from uh, in population. A lot of that has to do with Im- immigrants and with millennials, and we wanted to make sure our immigrant community um, understand that we, we respect them, we, we value them, and we want them to be part of the fabric of our city. Yeah, and I've seen you out there. You're not just no, I had talking the talk. It creates this um, this something to look forward to, um, something to compete, mm-hmm. to have bragging rights, and for the city to recognize you as an important part of our community. But I, I just want to point out that there is – because you were at the block, International mm-hmm. Block yep, Party. It's beautiful. The art – our department is involved. Mural arts is involved. We got artists creating banners. There's going to be a citizenship uh, ceremony the day of the. I mean, so this is like a lot more than just sport. Yeah, I mean, and the, the block party I was very happy with because it really was a beautiful event. People were showing off and experience. We were experiencing their dance and food and music. But really important for me, I saw a number of neighborhood people around Marconi Plaza who were actually came in sat in beach chairs and enjoyed it. And I think that the more and more that our native-born Americans, the Philadelphia citizens, um, interact with our foreign-born citizens and folks, that I think they begin to understand and think about their own uh, their own travels uh, and of their own family lineage in America. I think we f- forget if you're multi generational American that you came from somewhere else too. And and these folks are no different than your ancestors, and there's a lot of commonality. I want to know if you knew this that a lot of the young players view this as a chance. Oh, yeah. You know, they're hoping scouts show up to the to the final match. Is it's, that something you high. thought about? No, yeah. I didn't think these are all kind of things that have, that have been that have come about as a result of experiencing it for two years now. Um, yeah, they're they're the, the level of play is high. Philadelphia is a sanctuary city, and you took a bit of heat for that. Um, I don't really nationally. care. I don't really care. Yeah, and it's like um, 
you know, this is sort of a symbol in a way of Philadelphia standing strong against, you know, any type of effort to undermine the country's immigrants. We're all human beings. If you believe in God, then God put put us here for a purpose. And we don't have there, – there's two groups of people in the, in the country that have a real beef. First are Native Americans, Native Americans that were here before – we allegedly discovered them, and, and African-Americans who came in chains as slaves. And then those are two folks, two groups of people who have legitimate beefs. Everybody else came here voluntarily, whether they were starving like the Irish or whether they were being you know, abused for their religion or abused for their ethnicity or for, their, or for their, any reason that people come to America. This is what this country exists for. It's 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 a oasis in the world. It should be an oasis in the world where people can come and 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 make the best of their potential in life. And to have a guy like Donald Trump or Jeff Sessions or other people, you know, turn this into an ugliness uh, that divides people is it's not what a president should be doing. A president should not be dividing the nation. It should not be um, calling people names and acting the bully. There have been Republican presidents in the past I did not agree with. Ronald Reagan's policies I didn't agree with. George. W. Bush's policies, I didn't necessarily agree, but they were gentlemen. They they acted like gentlemen. They treated people decently. They had compassion. They had empathy. Um, and this guy doesn't know what compassion and empathy means, but we're not going to allow him or anyone else that believes what he believes to tear down our city and to and to make us, you know, less attractive to people and make them afraid and make them hide uh, and, and not make them interact with the police. We're, just, we're not, we're not going to do it. I mean, if a federal judge says we have to do it, we'll do it because unlike the president, we listen to federal judges uh, and respect their the rules. But uh, up until up till now, we we've been and around the country, we've been winning all these fights. And I mean, given the status of DACA and increased raids and uh, you know threats to cut federal funding, a lot of people in the immigrant community felt under attack. But tell me the feedback you've gotten given the Unity Cup. Foreign-born people who live here understand that their mayor respects them and wants to protect them, and our police department respects them and wants to protect them. Kind-hearted people and decent people that are that far outnumber. The ugly people in, in our society uh, understand that people need, deserve a right to succeed. And, um, you know, they're not taking jobs away from anybody. They're paying taxes and they're not getting any benefit from it. They're being taken advantage of because they can't come out of the shadows. Um, and we want to make sure that they feel comfortable enough uh, to, to be full, full-scale Philadelphians. And I think that's what's come out of this thing. Now, uh, Mayor, I remember when you were in city council and you were actually – pushing hard for Philadelphia to become a sanctuary city. Why have you always been such a, a great protector of because, the Because my, my own ethnic background uh, calls me, if I, if I were to be like Donald Trump or be like people who are xenophobic or negative, I would be I would be disrespectful to my own heritage. When we came here in the 1840s and, and the 1844 was like one of the biggest years for, for immigration, uh, for, of Irish immigration to America, we, they didn't want us here either. They told us to get out and go home. No Irish need apply. Um, they burned two churches down in Philadelphia, two, two Irish Catholic churches. Um, it was ugly, and they, we stayed, and uh, they didn't want us here either. So I, if I am if I, if anything different than that, then I'm disrespecting my own heritage and my own history in this country. Now, back to the tournament now. So what is your vision for the tournament moving forward? Well, hopefully we could expand again. If we, if we stay with 48 teams, that's fine. But if others, other nations or other ethnic groups from foreign country wants to get in, everybody's welcome. Well, we won't limit the number. We'll just configure it differently. And I hope we have a, a really good crowd uh, at the link. I think that's important that the show – that this this uh, this event uh, can have some some real attraction for for people
people who want to uh, sponsor and want to want to want to you know get involved. And um, I just want to have a good time and have really great soccer and ha- and have people enjoy themselves uh, and enjoy our multi ethnic, multicultural company Wonderful. Co- uh, country. And I think that this, I I personally believe that this tournament will continue to grow. Yeah, we're the only we're the only city in the country that's doing this. Um, and uh, I think that Pittsburgh was thinking about it. I, don't know, they, I think they didn't have enough time to get it to get it together. Uh, for, I'm not going to try next year. I think. Um, and we're yet yeah, we're we're the only country we're the only city in the United States is doing it. Would you love to see that it become a trend? A thing? Yeah, I think I think other cities would be great. Maybe we, the champion of our city could play the champion of New York or Boston or or Pittsburgh or you know D.C. Uh, that that could be cool too. That would be really dope. Well, thank you so much, uh, Mayor Jim Kenney. Well, I'll see you November 11th at the Unity Cup uh, Championship game. It's going to be a, a day full of fun. Great, thank you. Thanks, Sherry. Cooking for a cause. Come with your significant other. Maybe you'll find a significant other there. I'll tell you three ways a local women's group is getting men to help kids through food. is Flashpoint, and I'm Cherry Gregg. We here at KYW are all about community, and this week, it's all about raising money to help curb the growing cost of college education. The ladies of Alpha Kappa Alpha Rho Theta Omega Graduate Chapter run the Ivy Legacy Foundation, which has given out more than 300 grand in college scholarships. But how do they raise that much cash? Well, one of the ways is through an annual fundraiser that they hold every November. Here to discuss this fun-filled day is Monica Birch, the spokesperson for the foundation and chef, Devin Buchanan. Thank you so much for being here. What are you ladies doing? Well, this is our 25th anniversary of Phillies Men Are Cooking, so we're excited about this year's event. It's being held on November 11th at the Simeon Foundation Automotive Museum. So it's a great event, and we're basically cooking for a cause. So we have about 200 men, amateur and professional chefs, that come out, and they bring food for you to sample. Come with your girlfriends. Come with your significant (laughs) other. Maybe you'll find a significant other there. But it's just a nice evening event to come out and raise money for charity. Phillies men are cooking. You recruit men. Yes, we do. To cook for the ladies. Exactly. To raise money for those scholarships. Exactly. So it's a nice nice change for the men to be cooking. And we just get to go around and sample the food. Wonderful. And so, Devin. Yes. You're not a chef by day, or are you? I am. I am, actually. I own a company called Employee Wellness Plus, and so we do provide affordable, nutritious, and delicious meals. And I actually brought one for you today, Thai chili shrimp uh, over some wild rice, some cabbage and carrots, and it's topped with a chili lime crema. Is this the kind of stuff mm. we're going to get at the Phillies Men yes, Cooking? Yes, it's, it's great because we have your comfort foods, your traditional comfort foods, but then we have healthy options. So that's the beauty of this event. We have a little bit of everything. We have desserts. We have beverages. We have a little bit of everything. And we have professional chefs like Devin, but we also have amateur chefs who come out and participate in this event. Wonderful. So a lot of—and, Devin, you were here last year. What was it like for you with all these folks roaming around— just eating. It's it's a fun event, you know. Everybody comes in definitely with uh, a very empty stomach, and they leave they leave very full. Uh, but it's a lot of energy. Um, we dance. We have a great time. You know, the energy is there, and everybody just wants to be part of something amazing. Yeah, quarter of a century. Um, yes. And so, how do you? I mean, because it seems like it keeps growing every yes. year. You get more and more chefs. 
Yeah, so um, we advertise via social media, um, our website, ibylegacy.org, and you can actually log on there to find out. Our target is 200 chefs. We have a, a little over 180, so we can still use a little bit more. But you can come out. You can register to be a chef. You can also purchase tickets, and it all goes towards our scholarship funds and community programs. So it's a really, it's a fun event. It's from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. on November the 11th. Yeah, and I've I've had the opportunity to come a couple years mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was just a ton of, we were just laughing, running into people, you know, exactly. making new friends. It's, it's a really, and it's for always for a good cause. Exactly. I mean, and we have some, um, great, uh, people from Philadelphia also participating in the event. We have Jeff Brown from, uh, uh Brown supermarkets. We have Marcus Allen from big brothers, big sisters. So they're going to come out and support this event as well. So we're really looking forward to it. Everybody is not a professional chef like Devin over here. Mm-hmm. Like, but it, but you know, most people have a dish. Yes, is this the chance where you can show off that? You know, those jerk chicken wings. Yes. I mean, people show off whatever their thing is. We have men who bring their macaroni and cheese. We have men who bring their sweet potato cheesecake. Um, we have men that actually started a business. After coming out and participating in Philly's Men Are Cooking for many years, they actually went into catering full time. They did it as a hobby and they actually got um, clients from our event. So this is something where you can definitely come out, show off your cooking skills. And, you know, we have a great audience that will definitely come out and sample everything that you have to offer. Yeah. Now there's some libations, too. Yes, we have, um, I say, um, evening beverages. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Nighttime beverages. So we have a little bit of everything well, it is there. it's a Saturday night. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's a fun. And it's it's a perfect time since it's from 7 to 11. And so where can people get these tickets? If you log into ivylegacy.org, you can find out all the information you need about the event. You can sign up to be a chef. You can purchase tickets. And you can also sponsor the event if you have a business that you want to showcase. So what are the tickets run? Mm-hmm. Are there different prices? They're $65. All right. Mm-hmm. And this is all going to a good cause. Mm-hmm. You you be hungry. You can be hungry coming in, mm-hmm. full going out. Exactly. And there's libations. Absolutely. What can you, handsome men? Exactly. And it's all for great And co- ladies, for yes. the guys who want to exactly. come in, because that's you know I- that's going to draw... Exactly. That's why I said you can can come with your girlfriends. You can we have men that come out and support the event because they're um, supporting our organization. And we have people that come with a significant other. So we say the more the merrier. But it is an adult affair. Um, Again, you can log on to IvyLegacy.org. Pick up your tickets. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thank Thank you you so much. much. And thank you for this wonderful meal. Absolutely. My pleasure. Can't wait. That's it for Flashpoint. Follow KYW News Radio on Twitter and let us know what you think by using the hashtag Flashpoint. You can also follow me at Cherry Gregg to listen to a podcast of the show with exclusive content. Log on to KYWNewsRadio.com and click audio. And soon you'll be able to subscribe to Flashpoint wherever you get your podcasts. If there's an issue that makes you hot under the collar, let us know and we'll walk you through the flames. As famed writer James Baldwin once said, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. I'm your host, Cherry Gregg. Until next week, thanks for listening.